0: Hello everyone and welcome to our next interview. I'm excited to have our guest today. Not only have I known Joanne, but I've had the wonderful opportunity to be one of her contributors for her newest book. We're so excited today to not only give you a few maybe excerpts from the book, but hope that you know about Joanne's work. I really believe, and others have said this before, is that she's really one of the most compelling vegan advocates out there. An individual that really has pushed forward the movement, but has also spent a lot of time, maybe in foreign spaces, I would say, <laughs> of making sure that we're getting that messaging outside of our, you know, vegan bubble. You know, sometimes we, we live in that world and it's been so wonderful seeing Joanne's work And how Joanne has really been on stage, how Joanne has been featured in TEDx talks, how Joanne has really, you know, done videos on YouTube that, you know, have amazing viewership. And what I'm hoping today is for some of you who may not know Joanne's work, that this is your opportunity to get introduced to it. For some of you who are maybe thinking about increasing your advocacy Maybe some of Joanne's words of wisdom can inspire you. And we also want to feature the book today. I'm just going to pull it up on the screen and we'll talk about it as well because this is a great guide for not just vegans, but non-vegans, vegan curious people, maybe even a friend or someone in your life who you know you can relate to or maybe want to have a little bit of dialogue around the movement. And I just think this book is such a great guide for everyone as we start to think of our future and think about how to make a better world. So with that, I'm going to stop with my introduction to here, and I want to say hello to our guests and give Joanne an opportunity to give everyone maybe a little bit of background on just expansive work that Joanne's done. Joanne, thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you so much, Stephanie. I'm so glad you're included in Vegan Voices. Your voice is so powerful and I'm just in awe of everything that you do. And I've been actively advocating for veganism for about the past five or six years. And I oftentimes point out to people that I'm like most of the population. I grew up in a household that consumed animal products. And for some reason, and this is, I think, the case with most people, we're so tied into our cultural habits, the way we were raised. So we never even think about where does our food come from? And it really wasn't until I was in grad school and I happened to get my hands on a book called animal factories by Jim Mason and Peter Singer. And that was just like when the light bulb went off. It's like, you mean we've been eating these these products, this food that is born of suffering. And so right the next day, my husband and I said, we're not consuming animals anymore. So I think that kind of takes me to the point of my advocacy that it's all about education. I am a college professor after all. So I see my role as an advocate as simply making people more aware to think about things that, that, like in my case, I never had thought about. So it's never about putting shame or blame or judging people. It's about, you know, raising awareness and, and being empowered by your choices. And that's sort of what this whole book is about, that I'm showing hopefully with the great diversity of writers from all around the world that everyone has their own unique path. And so everyone's path to veganism is also very special and very unique. There's not a one size fits all. And I love that you say that because often people
0: have to see their place or their opportunity in the movement. And sometimes, you know, we all have to use graphics, we all have to, you know, we build websites and sometimes people are like, isn't this movement for me? You know, is it okay that maybe, you know, I didn't discover veganism until later in life or, you know, all these different kind of scenarios. And I think it's so important that people understand that we all are on this journey together and that there's space and room for everyone from all different types of cultures, all different types of backgrounds.
1: And you bring up such an important point. Oftentimes, people say, Oh, you have to be an expert in nutrition. You have to have your PhD in, in, you know, psychology or whatever. But if you're a human being and you think about what you eat, you think about taking care of your friends and family, you think about the relationships you've had with animals, which we all have, all of us have our own unique ways to speak about what veganism means. And just as kind of a sample, I was jotting down the other day, some of the writers, and they do such an amazing diversity of, of different things, such as, I'm just going to kind of list some of them. Mm-hmm. Gwenna Hunter, who's a community organizer, we have athletes like Derek Treesize, Abe Rangan from India is one of the country's top-based, plant-based entrepreneurs. We have people who, wrote tremendous, who write tremendous blogs, educating people like Emily Moran Barwick. We have journalists. We have activists like Curtis Romar, scientists like Dr. T. Colin Campbell, plant-based nutritionists. We have Elon Gunderson in Norway. She and her husband are putting into place the first all-vegan grocery chain in Norway. We have filmmakers like Thomas Jackson, who you probably know, he's in Florida. And folks, of course, who have animal sanctuaries. So that's just sort of a sampling that there's a place in the movement for everyone. Everyone can think about what is something that I'm especially good at? And how can I get the message out there? And even if you don't feel that you're specifically skilled in a certain area, I say that almost the best form of advocacy is is who you are as a role model. You know, people may come up to you and say, what do you do to stay so healthy? Or they they see you in a situation in a restaurant. Maybe they ask you a question. How come you don't consume animals? And just showing the vibrancy and the energy of who you are in lots of ways, that's that's perhaps the most positive way to be a vegan advocate just by being who you are.
0: And I love that you say that because often people might think that you have to be on stage to be an activist. Right. You have to be in certain circles or you have, to, you have to be a public figure to step into this world. Or even some of our kind of audience who are business owners, many of them may struggle because they say, well, I'm already so busy with my business. How can I be an advocate? How can I do activism as well? And I think it's so important for people to understand that A, sometimes who you are is a piece of that. And then incorporating it into your passion, incorporating it into your profession, incorporating into your business are great ways that we can all kind of be advocates. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we have to go full time, uh, you know, to be
1: effective. And I love the way you say that because you're the perfect example of someone who has really wed the two things, you know, your veganism plus your entrepreneurship and your business interests and things. So people, I think, can find parts of their lives that they may not necessarily think of as being vegan advocacy. And it's even stronger when you tie the two together. And for me, As an educator, it's been speaking, but it's also been music. I don't know if you're aware that I'm actually a music professor and I'm a classical concert pianist. So I have, over the past few years, and this is a direction that I want to pursue more, I've used music in conjunction with talks or lectures or videos or those kinds of things. There's a fantastic organization called Compassion Arts Festival, based in Massachusetts, and I'm starting to do... I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, Compassion Arts Festival. They had their annual festival. It was like a week long. It took place this past November. It was all virtual. And it's a chance for visual and musical and dance and all kinds of artists to use the power of the arts to get the message across and I found that that's so powerful because, especially with music, I was realizing over the years how music is another sensory pathway, right? It's another way to reach your emotions because, as a listener, you know, when you go to a concert and you're really immersed and moved by the music, that affects you on a really deep level, Absolutely. I found that, that that's an avenue that I want to pursue even more. So for everybody to, to see what unique abilities and gifts they have. Everybody has unique abilities through which they can promote a more compassionate lifestyle. Absolutely. And I
0: think that's one thing I hope Everyone takes away today. So let's talk a little bit more about the book. I think for a lot of people who maybe don't have it yet, maybe we want to give them a little bit of taste. Do you want to pull out a couple of excerpts? Do you want to maybe just highlight a couple of pieces that might be inspirational for individuals? Or if people are thinking about getting the book or have read about the book. You know, this might be a good kind of sample so that they can know that they should go buy it right yes. after today's interview.
1: So speaking of, of buying the book, again, it's Vegan Voices, and it's available on Amazon. If you buy it on Amazon, be sure to leave a good review. Um, you can also go to the publisher's website. And the publisher is Lantern Publishing and Media, and their website address is Lantern pm. and they have so many amazing books that, that promote compassion in the world, whether it's about veganism or animal rights or social justice or humane education. It's a fantastic, fantastic company. So just to kind of highlight a few of the writers, and since we're talking a lot about advocacy, Curtis Volmar, who lives out in Berkeley, California, And he talks about simply to just get involved. And this is just a short excerpt. He says, just start. There will never be a perfect moment when you have all the right equipment, the best content, or the most viewers. You will figure out best practices along the way. You'll get immersed in the broader community, acquire new ideas, and gain more credibility as time goes on. Waiting for perfection, buy-in from the masses, or 100% support from everyone near you will have you waiting for an eternity. So he says, as long as your activism is nonviolent and is centered on the animals, your work will be a net positive for them. And Thomas Jackson, who some of you may know as the director of the fantastic documentary Prayer for Compassion, He talks about how he attended the yearly Animal Rights National Conference in Washington, D.C., and he went to a talk by vegan psychologist Claire Mann, and she talks about how if as advocates we send very negative confrontational messages, that that triggers the fight or flight response, and what Thomas learned from that experience was the power of positive messaging. So he says, this is why I believe that when we speak from a place of compassion, instead of judgment, we stand a better chance of our message being heard. And he talks, goes on to talk about how the sad truth of animal agriculture is that it has been intentionally hidden from us. So he talks about positive messaging. And then maybe the last person I'll give an excerpt from is Lynn Sylvan, And she's an example of someone who has founded a grassroots organization. Hers is based in Eugene, Oregon. It's called the Eugene Veg Education Network. And she's a tireless advocate. And I love you know, just her positive outlook. Her essay is called Beyond Joy. And she talks about how it's exciting to be the revisionist of one's own life. Whose life are we better able to revise than our own? And she goes on to say that there's great joy to be found not only in doing things right, but doing the right thing. So this book is filled with with so many inspiring messages and also very deeply personal stories. And just in the process of editing the book, I became so motivated and just felt empowered because it really drove home the point that that it's all of us together, you know, it's all of us serving all of these diverse roles that are pushing veganism forward. And I love that
0: because as we try to move veganism forward, we don't have to try to find the perfect way. Right. Or even, you know, the idea of waiting until it's perfect and right and all everyone's bought in. The idea is that we can all kind of do our part. And by us all moving forward, the movement moves forward, sometimes in small ways, sometimes Mm -hmm. in big ways, sometimes in, you know ways that are earth-shattering but also often the movement forward is the is this true key. And maybe that goes into you know one topic I'd love for us to talk about is some of the fatigue that people are feeling. I really want to make sure that people feel kind of inspired not just from today's interview but generally because it's been a Challenging couple of years. And a lot of that has been just because of the changes that we've had to make. Even individuals who have done traditional activism have had to change the way they've done right. activism. Right. You know, there's been a lot of just kind of absorbing the news cycle and all of those things. And as many of us try to, you know, get our mindset, you know, back in balance, I'm curious either from some of the submissions to the book, or even from your own experience, do you have any recommendations for anyone that's feeling a little bit of maybe activism fatigue, or anyone who's really kind of struggling just because it's not just the emotional toll of being an advocate these days, there's also this external factor that's kind of weighing on many of us?
1: Right. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Stephanie. And it's an issue that a lot of activists face. And I think it's so important to create a more holistic sense of identity that, even though, of course, the activism is crucial and it's critical and it's so needed at this time, that it's just one aspect of who we are as people. So I encourage everybody to find the things that you enjoy doing, you know, the things that feed your soul, the things that calm you down. Um, I mean, it could be, I'm thinking of Dr. Alyssa Beck, who um, she has interviewed you on, on one of her podcasts. Yes. And what she loves to do, what energizes her is taking walks in the woods. So every once in a while, She'll put something up on Facebook where she's just poetically reflecting about how the nature is so calming and soothing. So whether it's that for me, it's also music. I find tremendous solace and and just a chance to go within and center myself through music for other people. It might be doing meditation, taking time for yoga, any sorts of of activities that kind of connect you to who you are as a whole person. I think that that's really important. And I think another thing activists, and I have felt this way at some times where I feel like, oh gosh, if I'm not doing this 24-7, I'm a failure, you know, and we can't think like that. In fact, if we take breaks, like I think Ray Sikora is now on a trip to, is it Mexico or something? You know, sure. like take a break, you know, clear your clear mm-hmm. your head, clear your mind. And by going away from something for a little while and kind of letting your subconscious work on things and not being so engaged in it at such a highly conscious level all the time, if you take a break and come back to it, Then you'll have even more energy to devote to it. You may even have some new perspectives. So finding time to, you know, it might be a month, a couple of weeks to to get away from the intensity of all the work, I think is really, really, really important. And as I said before, you know, reminding yourself that you're just one person of so many people that are working together because this is a real team effort right i'm sure you felt yes. that way too and with everything that you do that that it is a joint collective uh movement and that everybody has a vital part to play in it so i think you know balancing that out and and realizing that you want to bring your best self when you are advocating absolutely and i so wholeheartedly agree with you that this is a team effort
0: because If you, you know, just think about five years ago where the movement was, you know, even eight years, 10 years, I mean, so much has changed. So much has changed in the players. So much has changed in the messaging and really the openness that kind of the world has to having some of these dialogues, these discussions has really you know, has really changed over the years. And I'm curious just from your perspective, I know you've talked about this before, but I think it's been important for our listeners and viewers to hear as well is, what do you think is the catalyst for that change? Why do you think the world is a little bit more open to have this discussion? And why we're starting to see more and more people embrace not just the lifestyle, not just make changes for animals, but understand
1: the importance of doing it now? That's a great question, Stephanie. And you know, when we think over the past couple of years, not only with the COVID crisis, but climate change, where climate change is now front and center, I think that people's awareness is starting to shift to the realization that we really are at an inflection point. We've really come to the point where humans have exerted the greatest damage on the planet. And we're seeing it in the news more and more every single day. So with the environmental devastation, global warming, we're seeing it come to our individual lives more and more. It's no longer this kind of far off thing like, oh, it's down the road. It's in the future, somebody else is going to take care of it. I don't have to worry about it. That's no longer the case. I think people are starting to see that there, that there are real consequences to the ways that society has chosen to live, and that includes food. And it's taken a while, but as you said, the needle is moving. People are becoming more and more aware of the ties between our sustainability and the food that we choose to eat. As you know, recently the um, UN Climate Conference took place in Glasgow, Scotland, and one of the folks that traveled there was Dr. Silas Rao, who is the director, as you know, of Climate Healers. And he points out that there was a tremendous presence of animal advocates and folks advocating for a shift in our global diets overall the the folks who attended the conference were still largely focused on fossil fuels you know renewable energies and that sort of thing but the the awareness of the connections between food and sustainability is starting to reach broader awareness and In terms of animals, and this is important to me as as an ethical vegan, maybe you've noticed and, you know, looking over news stories and articles online, more and more studies coming out. Like, what was the most recent one about octopuses and squid and lobsters are actually sentient? Which, of course, we knew that all along, but you have films like My Octopus Teacher. Have you seen that documentary? I've seen pieces of it. It's, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and in 2012, there was a declaration by 400 scientists that animals are sentient. Of course, it's surprising to me that this is coming up now. But yeah, it's starting to reach the public awareness that yes, these are fellow sentient beings. And we're seeing, you know, not only the explosion of the plant-based food market, but fur bands, uh, circus bands, left and right. It's like every other week you hear another development, another change, um, another positive result for the animals. And that's also part of the growing uh, sense of of plant-based living and how it's it's really critical to our sense of identity, because we're all, I like to say, you know, we're all innately compassionate people. And I think people are starting to make the links. So, you know, all of these things, I think, are showing that the awareness is on the rise. Yeah, I think it's, I love how you explain that and explained
0: kind of all the different changes that are happening because sometimes when we think change happens in the world, we think sometimes it looks like A or B. And often the change is on the political side. The change is in our backyard. The change is in our local organizations. The change is in just dialogue. You know, you see the difference in discussions at work about certain topics. You know, when you start to see those shifts it's really amazing to see how the movement has not only like you said connected with individuals but also the piece that inspires me and gets me excited is how people feel so empowered by their choice. I think when we talk about things like, you know, climate change and we think about, you know, fossil fuels, we we think they're so distant from us. We think they're like corporations over here that need to make change. And if they change, the world will be better. And what I love about, you know, the vegan movement, I love about many of the leaders in the movements and even individuals like yourself is that we're empowering people to do it. We're saying that as individuals, we have that power to drive the change. We have that political clout to ask for better from our leaders. We have the ability to choose differently So that you are seeing um, fur bands, so you're seeing brands expand to pineapple leather and mushroom Mm -hmm. leather and all of these other options. And that's really exciting. And I think I'm hoping for people who are listening today that we all realize that there's a
1: part we can play, not just collectively, but just individually every day. Right. And I think that's, you know, like the main message to get across today, because government policies and, you know, leadership at the larger levels are always slow to move. And they're, you know, they're dealing with the tremendous lobbying power of the meat industry, the dairy industry, the pharmaceutical industry, um, all of these larger entities that typically are slow moving. But what you can do with deciding to eat more compassionately is something you can do right now. And yes. the power of the consumer, it's so critical. That's why we're seeing this explosion in plant-based products, more vegan options in restaurants, um, more documentaries. You know, all of these developments, they're happening because of what we as consumers are doing. So so that's, that's a wonderful Wonderful, important point to bring across the power of every single person to make a difference. Absolutely. And
0: as I'm noticing, we're coming up on our half an hour, so we're probably going to be wrapping up our interview today. I just want to maybe give you an opportunity to give any final thoughts, especially as people are maybe inspired today, as people are, you know, thinking about their year. You know, we're in this. Interesting time in January where many of us reset, where many of us set goals, where many of us maybe we evaluate what our plans are for the year or want to do something different. Do you have any recommendations or, and I know this is a question I'm throwing at you here, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but do you have any recommendations on what people should think about if they are thinking about setting a goal for the year around advocacy? Or around, you know, taking on maybe a little bit more activism or finding a way to be more active in the movement. I'm just curious if you have any recommendations.
1: I would say just an overall recommendation is to be connected to as many different people as you can. And you can do this at the local level. There are meetup groups all around the world. Um, There's one here in Richmond, Virginia, where I live. Reach out, contact people. Social media is is just amazing. The things you can learn, the people you can reach out to and make those contacts and learn. I mean, I'm constantly learning all the time. I actually have this notebook in different categories like nutrition, health, environment, advocacy. And as I'm, you know, surfing the internet or talking to people, going to conferences, I write down everything I'm learning. So I think it really comes down to be curious Learn as much as you can. And based on all the knowledge and insight you're gaining, that will give you the power to then decide, gee, what do I want to do with my life? What's really important to me? And, and to not be afraid. Um, oftentimes, I think people feel that they have to do like everyone else is doing. And I think we're at a time now where it's so important to look inward and think about and then act upon what is truly of greatest value to us. Oh, that is so beautiful and such a
0: wonderful, you know, message to for all of us as we're kind of marching into this new year and all the possibilities that the new year brings. So one thing I just want to do is make sure if anyone wants to get in contact with you, I also want to just remind everyone where they can purchase the book as well. And if you're on social media, give them their, your social media handles because I just want to make sure that as people are inspired and want to reach out or support your work, they know
1: how to do it. Right. Yeah. So again, the book, if you go to Lantern Publishing and Media's website, which is lanternpm.org, you can purchase the book there. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and my website is vegansmakeadifference.com. And I should mention a special feature of that website is I include very short stories by folks around the world who have gone vegan and that's an also a wonderful way in addition to the book to learn about the path that people have taken so yeah there's there's just so much out there and i invite everybody to learn as much as you can and be inspired to go vegan or to speak up and advocate for veganism in your own unique way
0: well, that was a perfect way to wrap up the interview. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing some wisdom. Thanks for sharing the excerpts as well, because even mm-hmm. as an owner of the book, sometimes it's nice to hear them again because it's just getting it back in your ear just reminds you or, you know, gets you back in in balance, um, and it's just been so beautiful to hear your not only wisdom, recommendation, and advice, but also hear about your journey and your stories.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. And thank you for everything that you do.
0: Absolutely. So thank you everyone who has joined us live, or if you're listening to this as part of our podcast series, we love, love, love having you, whether you join us when we do them live or listen to them later on or pass them on to a friend. We so appreciate being able to do these segments and talk about not only the movement, talk about how people are bringing veganism into their professions, but in today's session, talking about how to be advocates in the movement and what we can all do. So I hope today's session inspired many of you. And once again, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Joanne Kang for joining us today. And I'm really excited about jumping back into my book (laughs) and reading a couple um, of essays to keep myself grounded and also just continue to be inspired by your work. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks everyone. (laughs)
0: Thanks for listening to Pivot, our vegan business interview podcast. This is recorded as a live streaming session, so I hope you'll join us for future interviews as well. We offer these interviews to help vegan entrepreneurs stay connected with the vegan business community. If you're interested in more in-depth insights or training, please consider subscribing to one of our premium podcasts, Going Solo or Fix It. Visit veganmainstream.com to learn more or click on the links in the show notes.